Hey, this is Erin Lindstrom, and you're listening to Thank You For You. This is a show about celebrating and acknowledging our humanness as well as our beingness, the easy and the hard, the gifts and the (laughs) gifts we don't really like but choose to accept anyway. This is a show about and for people in pursuit of more peace, more joy, more money, more justice, and more of the awe that life has to give us. Thank you for being here, and thank you for you. We're here. Hello. 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 Good morning on this beautiful insert day here. I don't want to say in case. <laughs> this is evergreen content. So whatever day it is, it's such a good day. Yeah, Unless it's a I bad day, day, there's still something good. Yeah. Darren <laughs> and Alex here live. Yeah. <laughs> Traveling through time and space. And Uh, we're leading into this episode of thank you for you and I just need to tell you and I'll probably tell you again in a couple minutes that this is a blind date episode I've been wanting to ask Jess on a blind date for like years I've had this idea for a very long time and so the fact that she said yes is like the exciting pre-asking her this I think I sent her some other message that was like (laughs) hi I know you don't know me but I like feel like I know you and she was like oh my god I totally feel like I know you too and like that was our first our first interaction and now, now we're going to get to have an actual conversation. So wow, that's that's magical right there. That sounds like some divine uh, connection, right? It feels it feels good. Have you ever been on a blind date? No, I have not. Surprisingly, but also I haven't been on very many dates. I just kind of meet someone and then I'm like, like, I feel like when I find a partner, I'm like, oh, this is the person. And then I'm, then it's like, oh, here we are now. Here so, we are. <laughs> I don't really date that many people. I don't know. Fair enough. I've yeah, also never yeah. been on a blind date. And I guess this isn't really blind because, because I've seen her, you know, that's um, true, but whatever. We're just going to navigate. It's going to be great. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. I think we should do, you know, a creative reading of Jess's bio. I would love to do that. In fact, I had it pulled up where, yeah, Jess's bio, here it is. Okay, great. I have not pre-read this one, so I'm super exciting. Ready? <laughs> oh, this is truly blind. Yeah, I'm ready. All right. Do you want to start us or do you want, would you like me? Sure. It's, it's, how do you say her last name? Manuzak is how I Manuzak. say it in my head. So hopefully Let's that's hope correct. it's right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, just Manuzak is the electric little lightning bug who wrote those ads you've seen in the wild. As the shouty mastermind behind Verb and Vigor Copywriting Studio in Denver, she's dreamed up everything from global campaigns for Nike Tennis, wow, <gasps> to political campaign speeches for state senators, wow. Ooh. In other words, she doesn't just talk a big game, she actually delivers. Just not pizza, that one's on you. <laughs> when she's not sleeping with the lights on after marathoning shows about ghosts, you can find her running the Freelancer Future Ball, a national mental health nonprofit for entrepreneurs that destigmatizes rejection, missteps, and fuck ups. Kind of like how I just fucked up saying destigmatizes. <laughs> and Freelancer her. Failure Ball. Yeah, yeah. Did I say that wrong too? <laughs> you said some other word. What the heck? But I don't remember what word. We're killing it this morning. <laughs> Let me try it again. Or afternoon. <laughs> take, take two, but we're keeping all of the takes in. Ready? When she's not <laughs> sleeping with the lights on after marathoning shows about ghosts, you can find her running the Freelancer Failure Ball. A national <laughs> mental health. <laughs> I think it's really ironic that I'm failing at this. Did I say future before? Yeah, I think you said future. I said future. Okay, well, anyway, <laughs> moving on to the next paragraph. 
stick with her long enough and she'll brainwash you into believing about yourself. Aww. I love that. Love that. I love brainwashing. I love brainwashing too, especially when it's like you're brainwashing someone to believe in themselves because like yeah. that's the ultimate brainwash. And I do think that that changes your whole life. That's such a positive, like more cults should have that message, you know? <laughs> we're, we're gonna make you think positively but true like about yourself most like churches and stuff I think where they go wrong this is a hot take is hot that take. you put all of your belief in someone else instead of yourself and I'm not saying you should be totally egocentric and like into yourself but if like we believed we had power right the whole demigod thing you talk about like uh, exactly yeah exactly we gotta this she's on the right path you know tapping into that inner demigod yeah so we love to this hear is gonna it. be a fun conversation we've got demigods we got failure we've got words and delivery of everything except pizza so let's do it oh my god it's happening, it's happening. <laughs> hi jess welcome to our date thank you thank you for having me i left the dahlias in the car for our date <laughs> I'll remember them next time. No worries. I'm so excited you're here. I'm so excited to like have an actual conversation with you because I've been reading your stuff forever. I've been, you know, watching you forever. <laughs> like a real stalker, but I'm just so excited to like actually have a real conversation. So thank you so much for yes ending me. Thanks for having me. I even wore my shiny shirt for you. I love it. I'm also wearing a shirt today. It is not shiny. Um, <laughs> I might have slept in it last night, but I made it work this morning with the necklace, so it's fine. Yeah, you look together as fuck. Thank you. So, okay, I can't even ask you the first question I want to ask you because I always start with the same question. Now, I will tell you that this is like, it's big. You can take it in whatever direction you want. You can go small. You can go big. There's no right, wrong, anything here. Just go with the flow. Who are you and how did you get here? (laughs) (laughs) Who am I and how did I get here? When a man loves a woman, no, I'm just kidding. Um, the overzealous, shouty mastermind on the internet who you've probably heard talk a lot about mental health, copywriting, and failure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I got here very ungracefully, like all of us literally always do, right? If we even look at my copywriting studio, which I've had for, God, nine years at this point, Back in the day, I was working a desk job in government finance, raising money for a school bond program for public schools. Interesting. Yeah, I was 22 with my English degree, with an emphasis in poetry. And like, you know, everybody who said I couldn't make anything with an English degree, I was going to show them. So I hated it. They're all right. And (laughs) a friend of mine, as I'm sitting under the fluorescent lighting in my literal cubicle with my name misspelled on my nameplate, right? She links me to this website called The Middle Finger Project. And it's run by this woman named Ash Amberger. I don't know if you're familiar. She's fucking incredible and my mentor. And I called in sick from work the next day, wrote a one-page website about why she should hire me. And I tweeted it to her and she fucking did. (laughs) Uh, in that day, my life changed. And I went from not even knowing what copywriting was to, I mean, in a few years time, writing campaigns for Levi's and Nike and Acuity and Squarespace. But that wasn't the tidy, inspiring journey of, well, I went to school for my passion and then I got an inch and then I like, nope, 
I scrapped it out and I cried a lot in an office bathroom and kind of forced the puzzle pieces of my life to jam together in the way that I want. And I think that we're supposed to like go with the flow and let divine timing and blah, 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 blah. And I'm just not so good at that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say I got here by force and force of will. I love that. Okay. So my story with you that you don't know about happens in what you just said, because I remember reading like Ash shared that you sent her like a website page and maybe even posted the page. Yeah. And like, that is when I first learned about you and my journey into this like weird internet world too. I started as a I went to health coach school and kind of came in on the coaching bus and then I was pregnant and I was like, fuck kale. I'm never talking about this again. I want to live eating cheeseburgers in my bed, please. No more questions. And I decided to help people with what was natural for me instead. And like, let me just see what's happening. Cause I didn't want to call it something. I didn't want to make a real change. Cause I saw everyone flip-flopping and I was like, well, can't be a flip-flopper, but I ended up helping everyone with copy. And as that was happening, Jamie Jensen and I were like in contact and kind of figuring things out. And I was doing these hot mess express calls. So I was supporting her in that way. And she was talking about how quickly her copywriting business was growing. And I was like, I think I can help. And she was like, you are helping. And I was like, yeah, but I'm also good at that. And we kind of like definitely referred to you and Ash as a model of, oh, maybe this can work. Maybe there is some sort of way that like a collaborative thing could work for us too, as long as we're communicating consciously and like figuring it out together as we go. Oh my God. I love that. I had no yeah, idea. And that was like almost a decade ago, which is insane. I love it. I love it. Love it too. Okay. So you go on this like wild ride and adventure. Tell us about like the freelancer failure ball, which I keep calling future. I feel like I am <laughs> accidentally manifesting failure in the future, but you know what? That's part of life. That means you're alive, right? I mean, that's exactly what it means. Yeah. yeah. So I, Ash was generous and brilliant enough to mentor me for a few years. And then she, of course, got her book deal with Penguin. And so she shut down her copy sector, at which point I branched out on my own. It was just a really natural, Mm -hmm. um, whatever. She's speaking this year at the ball, by the way. Fun! Yeah, it's the first time I will have seen her since we led our international business retreat for women in Costa Rica, like eight years ago. That's amazing. I can't, I like get shivers thinking about getting to hold her in my arms. So, Mm -hmm. and then over that time, I mean, you can't be in business for yourself without failing pretty constantly, whether it's tiny things like you roll in two minutes late to a call because you forgot to factor in time to pee, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or like, it's really big stuff. Like there was one time when I was on a new call with a client, like a discovery call, and I called him by the wrong name three times in a 15 minute phone call. And at the end I go, well, I really fucked this up. And he goes, yep. And we never spoke again. Oh my gosh. Was it three different names or just the wrong name? Three different wrong names. names. I've also, you know, sent a $50,000 proposal to a multi-billion dollar company. And I did not update the email subject line So Mm -hmm. it said, blah, 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 put the fucking company name here, blah, blah. I spent three weeks writing that quote and proposal and I didn't change the subject line. So 
that's the stuff that just happens as a side effect of the effort we put into our businesses. Mm. It's also the stuff that's supposed to keep us hiding in the closet from shame, right? And I get asked a lot, like, you know, the freelancer failure ball, this will be the second year. It's a black tie charity gala designed literally to glamorize failure and the effort and passion it takes to try. Yes, it's amazing that failure is a stepping stone to success, but what's more important is that we believe in ourselves and care enough about something to even try. I'm here to celebrate the effort and not the results because failure happens no matter what. I think everybody thinks it's some like super romantic, amazing story of how it got started, but the real honest truth is that a year and a half ago, two years ago, I asked for a separation from my husband. We'd been together for 16 years at that point, and we had some old patterns to reset. So I packed up my shit. I moved out into a tiny cottage by myself. And about two weeks into it, I was sitting on my couch and crying. And the sound came out like an animal trapped in a cage. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking that asking for the separation was one of the things that made me feel prouder of myself and more myself than I had felt in years. And I didn't feel like I was allowed to talk about it because a separation meant I was failing at my marriage. And we all like to talk about how much work things are. It's hard work building a business. It's hard work having a relationship. But we never fucking talk about what that work actually looks like. What does it look like? Do you go to couples therapy? Did you, in my case, we had a fight where I smacked a glass of iced tea out of his hand and it went all over and I was like, oh shit, we're in it now, right? Mm -hmm. So like, I was sitting there and I was like, I want to celebrate this with my friends. I want to look hot as fuck when I do it. I want to eat good food. I want to celebrate each other's failures. And then I thought, God, that sounds vapid and self-involved. So I decided (laughs) to donate all the money to charity. (laughs) Like, Truly, truly, right? Like this was literally born of the pure thread of like, let's celebrate that we care enough to try anything. I clearly feel very passionate about it. I love it. I mean, that makes like, there's a couple different layers and levels to that. One is the magic that happens when you actually just like follow your fucking desire instead of pushing it down. If you want to have a party, like, great, let's have a party because it's the people who actually throw the party that create this whole experience that like it's touching other people. It's changing their lives. They show, they get to connect. Like it's important. And it's so easy to like push that away as like, oh, this is a selfish thing. Uh It's a joke versus like actually bringing it to life. It's really cool. So thank you just for like (laughs) taking the steps, reminding us that you can do big, wild shit. It doesn't have to be the most strategic, perfect, anything. Just do it. It doesn't have to make sense. Mm. I find for years and years, and part of this is my childhood trauma slash my personality slash Mm -hmm. capitalism, but like (laughs) I find myself using the words logical and practical a lot. Does that make sense? Is this practical? Is this logical? And like me investing hundreds of hours of my own unpaid time, copy, strategy, marketing, tapping into my network, whatever, Mm -hmm. loses me money. This actively loses me money every day. I am running a second business. It is now a national nonprofit organization for fucking funsies. It doesn't make any sense. My business coach would probably tell me not to do it. 
the way it factors into my five-year plan is that it brings me joy. And like, isn't that enough to make something practical, right? Yeah. It doesn't impact our runways or blah, blah, blah. Like, no, it, it fills me up and it gets me off. And what more could I want? I think that's the best strategy. Honestly, you can, the money stuff like all comes together, but I find that if you can actually tap into like what the heck you actually want, that like pure joy that like, isn't necessarily like, we always look for the smartest thing or I do anyway. I'm like, well, is this smart? Oh, let me back away from it or lean into it based on the, the level of intelligence that this is. And the best ideas do not come from my head. They come from my, like, I don't know, some gut pussy converse, like combination, right. Of like, no, this is the way forward. Like we're so reliant on our heads and the, does this make sense? And kind of checking with others, I think a lot of times to like get that like stamp of approval. Mm -hmm. Um, And really like, if your body is a yes to it, those usually turn out to be the best things. Even when upfront, you're like, I don't know how this works, but like, those are the breadcrumbs. Those are the like next step things that turn into the most fun and typically successful in my experience. I think that fun piece is really important because I think people Mm -hmm. assume that fun isn't enough to justify investment of time, energy, resources, whatever, right? Like fun does make something worth it. Like fun is the ROI that is measured. Yeah. Like, (laughs) I'm sorry. I was just going to say like friendly reminder, like we're, we're alive and like we're people. And I do think fun is a big part of it, of the purpose of being here. Oh, absolutely. A few of the kind of internet women who have helped raise me, which I'm sure you relate to, a lot of them (laughs) say joy is the fucking point. Joy is the fucking point. That's why we make money. That's why we take care of our bodies. That's why we work on relationships. It should all come back to bringing us joy. And everything can't, right? Like that's not the way the world works and we'll have to suffer through some shit, but like joy is the point. When people come to you like for copy, are they usually of that mind or are you doing like some recalibrating of like, okay, but what's really the point? Do you end up doing that work with them as well? Almost always. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I found, you know, my entire business model for years and years has been based around the fact that you can be a whole human and still run a successful business. Like, Mm. you know, I am a chronically sick physically and emotionally human. I have a forever adrenal disorder that basically means like my system gets flooded with adrenaline and cortisol kind of like clockwork through intervals of the day. So then I get all like, I'm like sweaty and then I'll crash and then I get vomity and dizzy and all of that stuff. And I can do things to mitigate it, but this is just a fact of my everyday life and probably will be forever to some degree. Right. But because of who I am, when I roll into my discovery calls, I set those expectations up front and I say, Hey, I am a physically and mentally sick human. My job relies on me being funny, charismatic, smart, and making you money. If I wake up and I'm in the depression hole, I'm going to get, I'll ping you. I'll say, hey, I'm in the depression hole. My brain is a wet fart today. I'll circle back to this tomorrow, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think just by nature of me rolling in with all of my clients is very much who I am. We're able to cut through a lot of the like vertical integration synergy speak and like (laughs) get to what gets them off and why they care about this and why their clients care about this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost indirectly and accidentally a blend of life coaching and copywriting, which I'm sure you can relate to mm-hmm. because a lot of it is reassuring clients that it is okay to speak to their target audience instead of everyone. And like that they right. do have value and they have value as people. And mm-hmm. um, yeah. So yeah, you, you can't have one without the other. 
yeah there's a huge like transformation that happens that I didn't realize this at first I think it's one of the things that I was like oh later is that everyone comes in like copy is very powerful I think like when you listen to someone and hear their vision of who they want to be and like all of their dreams and then you're like here it is that can be a fucking identity crisis and like really make you nervous of like oh now I have to be this like now this is who I am now this is what I'm doing and can I really and even though the words are here can I live up to it like it's transformational like having copy on words makes it real they may be able to tell you like I'm the best coach in the world blah blah blah. and then they see it in print and they're like but I oh my god can I and it's like of course you can of course you can we all can Mm -hmm. you just gotta do it like right you have to hit publish now good luck (laughs) considered stakes are so low in entrepreneurship we feel like I feel like one wrong Instagram post one wrong whatever and suddenly I'll get canceled I'll never make money again but like we're all kind of shouting into the void at various levels of excitement and no one's fucking listening like just just run amok and go play and figure out what feels okay totally it's like a bunch of theater kids like this is my debut it can't be it has to be perfect and you're like like no I'm a theater kid are you too I, so I wish I was, I went to theater camp one summer. I didn't get to do the whole thing, but I do comedy now. So I feel like I'm living out that piece of my life. <laughs> I love that. I love that so much. Sorry, I'm just playing with my lighting. You, so tell me, you were a theater kid. What was that like? <laughs> Terrible at it. Dying to I know. <laughs> loved the attention. I loved how it made me look. I was way too concerned with how I was perceived to actually mm-hmm. act well and I will never forget because I'm like, God damn it. Why didn't someone tell me I got the lead in the play? I was Abigail in the crucible. Yes. And whenever I walked on stage, I just didn't move my arms at all. Like they were like flat straight down to my side and didn't swing. And that's how I act. And nobody fucking told me. I think about that a lot when I like walk through public spaces. I'm like, swing your arms, you dumb bitch. <laughs> so it was great. I <laughs> let me I mean at a very young age I got involved in theater in the fifth grade so it let me get really comfortable with cutting my teeth in public speaking Mm -hmm. without all of the pressure that comes when you're an adult who has to public speak Mm -hmm. Um, totally how did like have you always been funny how does comedy get into this I mean trauma breeds humor right yeah absolutely (laughs) is that your coping mechanism too growing up as a piece of shit for everybody (laughs) Yes, very uh, relatable. I also read a lot. I was a reader. I was kind of the outcast of my family and just a voracious reader for a long time. I read a hundred books a year wow. until like my mid twenties. And so a lot of my voice and humor, I mean, I can pinpoint probably a collection of 15 writers who I was just so entrenched in and I like steeped in their words through my whole adolescence where now I've noticed like a lot of my comedic timing comes from Jenny Lawson, the blogettes mm-hmm. from reading so much of her stuff in my late teens. Like I there's, you know, you know, yeah. as a copywriter, you, you get those little whispers of like, Oh, interesting. I see that other person here. Yeah. Um, so probably honestly reading, like reading other people's writing has made me funny in writing. That's fascinating. Yeah. I've never really like thought about it quite like that. And you're obviously like the way you speak about all of this and 
you know, I followed your, I love you, the monsters account too. And so all the little like pieces of like mental health stuff. And then obviously the world's, the internet world we live in is very personal development and coachy and all of that jazz. And you're very self-aware just hearing how you kind of speak to your clients and bring them on. Like part of your onboarding process is the honesty and transparency of like, this is how I am. Let me create the boundaries and expectations. This is how we work together. Have you always been like that? Have you always been no. <laughs> oh, God. How, how'd that happen? Uh, <laughs> ain't a lot of people mad at me. Uh, when I first branched out on my own, literally the three month period after I left the Middle Finger Project and started my own thing was the darkest time of my entire life, hands down, no doubt about it. I went from having somebody to talk to every day, right? We checked in every morning at 5.30 and we slacked throughout the day and I had deadlines and she would take breaks. So I would take breaks and I had the schedule. And then you know how it is when you start your own thing and suddenly like you get so engrossed in changing the fucking fonts on your website that you haven't left your seat in literally like 14 hours Mm -hmm. and you're like Mm -hmm. thirsty and shitty. And my brain blew up during that time. And that was when I checked myself into an inpatient mental hospital mm-hmm. um, cause I knew that I, I physically was not going to survive those months. And that's when everything really changed for me. So after that hospitalization, I started doing like these intensive, it's called intensive outpatient where I went to workshops for, I think it was four hours, five days a week, right? That's a lot when you're trying to build a new business and it's expensive, but you have to do this creative, funny work in order to pay for the mental health you need to fucking Mm -hmm. survive, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, I lied my ass off that year to clients. At that point, I was like, I was working for a lot of really random people that I'd found on like Upwork because I fell off the face of the earth screwed up my whole pipeline. Like the day I opened my business, I had a runway of six months of clients booked out. I was canceling clients from my hospital intake bed with my ass hanging out of my gown, right? Being like, sorry, uh, something, something came up. So during that time, I was going to class for four hours in the morning, driving back, trying to stay vertical for an hour to write Amazon listing descriptions for lamps, for Japanese lamps. (laughs) And I was like, 50 bucks a description. And I was like, okay, if I make a hundred bucks a day, that covers my, I just got to cover therapy, right? It meant me avoiding my email when I couldn't make deadlines and not letting clients know and just hoping they wouldn't notice, which like spoiler alert, they always fucking notice Mm -hmm. because they paid you to do a thing that they're expecting you to do. It was when I realized that my clients weren't my enemy and that we both wanted the same thing. We both wanted the best possible end product for them on a reasonable timeline, right? Mm-hmm. And that's when I started kind of just being very blunt about it. Hey, I woke up really sick today. I want to make sure that this is the best it can be for you, which is true. And then knowing that it was true and I wasn't like bullshitting them helped release a lot of that pressure. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? A thousand percent. Yes. It was just mostly avoidance. It was a lot of avoidance. It was a lot of skating over the top and saying like something came up, right? Something Mm -hmm. came up. Mm -hmm. Now I'm like, especially I have one retainer client and she's the only one I'll work with. It was actually a referral from Jamie. Mm -hmm. Lauren, y'all know is amazing. Yeah. I tell my clients at the start, there's no such thing as a copywriting emergency. 
and I will be as honest with you as makes sense. So like I was mm-hmm. earlier, earlier this year and I didn't tell her the whole dramatic story of how I, end, I just said, Hey, my Bob's being a real dick. I'm out of commission in the hospital for a couple of days. Everything's cool. I'll check back in. Yeah. But that helps her understand the gravity of, of what I'm going through and also helps her feel like she is still my priority. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not that she's not my priority or I'm blowing it off. It's that there's literally this cock blocking thing preventing me. And if we're not transparent with clients to a certain degree, we all just assume that you're fucking off to go drink a cocktail, which is also fine but it's different. It's a fundamentally different relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I avoided it like the plague for years and got snarky emails from people and had, even when I didn't, I would have that anxiety all the time. Yes. I, I relate. I say yes. Cause I'm like, oh my God. Yes. Thank you for telling my story. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, stop yeah. making sense. Like, why would I do this to myself all the time? I should just literally change the one sentence in my email. Hey, I'm pretty sick today. I'll be right. back with you tomorrow. People are like, oh my gosh. And then it puts us on the same team. Yes. Versus me feeling like I'm going to get in trouble by my clients. Mm-hmm. I am the provider. I am doing them a service. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they may have to wait a little bit for that service to be as good as it possibly can. Mm-hmm. So true. It, and it seems so simple in a way, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, how obvious for me to share something honestly, but like that is not the world we live in no. at all. We're all told as women that if we cry in the office, we are unprofessional. Mm-hmm. I cry with almost all of my clients <laughs> at some point because we both get so excited about something or yes. whatever, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. or we both find out about Roe versus Wade on the same day on right. our all together. Like who the heck yeah. knows? But yeah. there is that space. And I would say that, you know, I haven't accepted new clients in my business in like four years because it's all been recurring clients. Mm-hmm. So I know, I know I can tell people with fucking certainty that if the quality of your work is there and the communication with your clients is there, that mm-hmm. they will keep coming back. You don't have to be perfect to be profitable. You just have to be reliable, which does not mean meeting deadlines on time. They're different things. It took me so long to get this because I had yep. so much shame around not being able to work nine hours a day, five days a week. Like, I suck at keeping a consistent schedule, but I'm always striving. Right. 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 Wow. No, but I totally hear you. And that like the idea that communication, of course, communication is what this comes down to because you're a communicator, but like the fact that communication is what kind of keeps you from having to be perfect too. Like if you can yeah. share with someone and I liked what you said too, about it being, did you say honest enough? Yeah or like honest as makes sense. Like, yeah, you don't have to tell every fucking detail of what's happening. No one wants that, right? Like that actually is the kind of a red flag when you get the whole everything. And it feels dramatic. Like like we always try to prove that trauma too of like, and then this happened and then you're blew out. Like I remember being a teenager and trying to get out of my pizza job, right? And being like, (laughs) oh no. And then I ran out of gas on the highway and someone (laughs) stole my shoe. And now it's like, hey, like, I always think about this phrase. I think it's Kendrick Lamar. And he says, be so good. You're humble. Mm. And like, be so truthful. It's simple. Like mm. get to the heart of the thing of like, Hey, I'm sick, period done. Right. Right. Yes. You don't have to over-explain. You don't have to tell a whole story and it can be so. And I think for me in the beginning of this, like it, the, it was so hard to trust that people would accept that 
because, you know, not being surrounded with people who could understand a boundary and just be like, okay, cool. Thank you. Thanks for letting me know. Uh, And so like, we also become one of those people, I think, as you start to like give that, like, I love when people say no to me in like a kind, clear way without the whole story. Like it's not dramatic. It's just perfect. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's so hard. (laughs) I have two little kids, little-ish, they're seven and nine. And so like listening to the dynamics that like are popping up in school now um, with like talking about the failure and effort and like really acknowledging that effort is the thing. And like, I don't really give a fuck about like the, the end goal of many of the things that they're working on. My daughter's class had something where you had to like finish all of your work very quickly, like by Thursday. So you could go to the school party on Friday and she kept missing the school party, which I think is absolutely ridiculous that we're doing that. Like we can't go at the same pace. And I was like, Violet, like this is one of those things where I I will take you for ice cream. I'm really sorry. Like I can't change that over there. I can talk to whoever and see if I can. And I will, but I don't know that I can change that. But what I need you to know is that like, you don't have to go at the same pace as everyone. What you're responsible for is just communicating that with your teacher, like in a way that like, you don't need to be snotty and snarky, but you can have a boundary and like, know that I've got your back and like, we're good here. Yeah. Well, And that brings up, first of all, good for you for advocating for your kid like that. She absolutely deserves all of the ice cream. She deserves it. I feel like, yeah, right? Like we all do. Like, don't do that. Carrot, dangle. She can't get it done by Friday shows that she's probably putting in more effort. Like that she, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. And like kids are trying to regulate too, but if they have no model of that and it's all just pushing, why do you think we end up with businesses where I'm like, ah, I'm dying and you're going to hate me because I can't do this by three o'clock. Yeah. That's what I was going to say is I think that, especially for women, we are grown, we are raised with built in constant authority figures who tell us who and where and how to be. Mm -hmm. And I genuinely believe that full like female entrepreneurship, solo business ownership is one of the only areas in the entire world where we have that full agency and no authority figure, but it's so new and uncomfortable that we spend years, maybe our whole lives looking around for one, which is why we hire coaches we don't need. And sometimes we need them. But like, I I bought a domain years ago called the Coffee Dominatrix that I never did anything with because I'm convinced that everyone just wants to be told what to do. And like, when you're in the world of business, there's nobody to do that. And you're the one telling your clients what to do. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting how how unmooring it can feel to have total agency. Yeah, it's yeah. uncomfortable to figure out how to actually it's hold humbling. that power. Yeah. Yeah, it's, and to yeah. grow beyond where I think teachers in this case, right? Like the authority figures, parents, like it is beyond where they can control you right? Like it's beyond where they necessarily want you to grow when you're inside that container. Like Violet's teacher, I have to imagine like, while I believe he's a good person with the best intentions, like he also needs her to behave and he needs them to do the same thing at the same time to pass that test, right? Like, and so that wildness that's kind of in there and the like difference, like it's hard to, it's hard to nurture that and have someone follow the rules. And so I feel like it's very confusing. And then when we're over here trying to do this and there are no rules, the dominatrix thing totally hits for me. I used to call it like the mean mom coaches where like 
some people are like that. Some people just want like me to yell at you. And like, I'm never going to, that's, that's not me. I'm not the mean mom coach. (laughs) I'm like the, come sit down. Let's be friends, mom coach. (laughs) But, um, it is fascinating and it's so much unpacking. I think the way that we were molded in order to figure out like, okay, what the fuck is my mold? Why am I in this pen? I need to be in that one. Like, oh, actually I'm not a cake. I'm a jello. (laughs) What is this? (laughs) I'm a Taco Bell burrito. Oh, I love that. I actually don't know what I want to be. I'm going to sit with that and see what comes through right now. I feel like ramen. Mm. I've got an egg and some like pork belly. It's it's delicious. Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) Good stuff. So what are you working on right now? Like what's, what's lighting you up at this moment? Right now it's almost all the freelancer failure ball. So right now we're like seven and a half weeks out Mm -hmm. from the second ball. And so it's like, you know, finally ramping up the social media strategy, which I didn't have last year, our caterer ghosted. And so I unexpectedly have had to spend my whole week and probably all next week meeting with new caterers and stuff. Cause of mm-hmm. course that's mm-hmm. one of the most important parts, food, drink, entertainment, right? They need yep. that pillar there. So I keep calling it a nesting egg of bullshit. Like, you know, those nesting dolls. Yes, like, I know exactly what I mean. I'm like, great. So I have to find a caterer. And then I take the lid off and it's like, but to find the caterer, boop, 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 boop. and then there's like 20 things to do. So I'm in it right now. This is a okay. season where I've known for like the last year and a half that in order to achieve the things I want to achieve, I'm going to be investing more of my time than I typically do or would like. Right. But I also recognize this is a temporary season. Mm-hmm. I'm not someone who's like, yeah, hustle culture, fucking I work 70 hours a week. Right. If you're working 70 hours a week, then you're not delegating well enough or you're not organized. So <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to find that balance of running my for-profit business, handling my shit, and then also planning this giant gala. Just started shopping for my outfit. I don't know what I'm going to wear yet. I love it. Are I think you... I'm going to make a Bridgerton wig. Oh my gosh. Yes. It's like a, I found like this like lilac satin suit. I thought about wearing like a lilac satin suit and like mm-hmm. Bridgerton wig. Mm-hmm. I support that fully. I'm trying to make those dates work. I want to come. You should it come. So it is. This also might be the last year. What? It will look like this. Okay. So. so. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. What's coming up next? Yep. Mm-hmm. Was it, so you decided to like legit start a nonprofit. <laughs> yeah. Um, I actually started a master's in nonprofit management and quit that. And that was part of my journey into the online business world. And I do some consulting with one nonprofit in particular, and I've done other things with some local ones wondering like, was that scary for you? Like in all of the ways, <laughs> um, probably the way that it was the scariest was when I learned that you have to have two other people to form a board of directors so mm-hmm. that you have people to kind of checks and balances you within the system. Right. And, you know, we're so tiny and scrappy that like, we don't have a whole lot to discuss now. Things are pretty small and whatever, but it was really, it was really jarring how terrified I was about the idea of one, sharing this thing that is so supremely precious to me with other people, which was an important step. I'm so glad I did. But two, also asking others to go in on this with me when it still feels like a silly party. 
And like last year, I watched people sobbing in the corner. I watched them laughing together. I know that they've all magically hired each other over this last year, right? But at the same time, asking other people to buy into this is what triggers that imposter syndrome of like, no, you guys, this was something I made up on my couch two years ago. What do you mean there's a board of directors? So it made it feel real in a way that I needed and wasn't fully prepared for, I think. Mm. It also creates like just a lot of administrative weird shit, extra stuff you have to do, had to find a different accountant, all of that. Totally. <laughs> yeah, that's what like, it's a lot, <laughs> both emotionally and like literally logistically, as far as like making it happen and having your, whatever the set of like rules is, code of conduct and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. There's but like last year I paid for the ball out of my own pocket. So like I had to get some sort of system in place so that I wasn't dropping 15K of my own money on a catering deposit. Like that's, right. I couldn't do that again. I was going to lose seven grand the day before the ball on the ball before I got a massive donation out of nowhere. Wow. Yeah. It was the day before the ball. I was at Costco buying all of the liquor for the, for the cocktails. And I was yep. like, well, I'm going to lose seven grand on this thing. Yep. Oh, well, here we go. Here we go. I'm in it now. Uh, oh my gosh. Yeah. Looking back, is there anything that you would like say to a past version of yourself or like, I don't know, the message that kind of feels like clear and apparent to you? Everyone wants this to work. Mm. I was really worried that I had to convince people that this is worthwhile or that I am worthwhile or that the food was good enough or I'm fucking pretty enough or like all of the things, right? And mm -hmm. it was just that realization as I, you know, we had problems with our, with our liquor license two days before and we were told we couldn't hold the event legally. And I was like, what? I was like, I'm gonna end up serving people beer out of the trunk of my, fucking volt in the parking lot and it'll be fine and like and the thing I realized afterwards is that it really would have been fine like mm -hmm. everyone wanted it to win so badly that they would have been like great parking lot party like you know what I'm saying so absolutely it is again that teamwork thing where I don't know if other people feel this as intensely as me I genuinely don't know but I assume that everyone hates me and everyone's out to get me and it's always an uphill battle to have anyone want to do anything ever? Blah, 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 blah. That's like my shadow self, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it just, we're all on the same team. My clients and I are on the same team. My internet friends and I are on the same team. Me and the attendees of the ball are on the same team. Mm -hmm. And we all want this to work. Mm -hmm. I love that. Mm, this is so good. I've love how's this date going for you I've loved this conversation oh, I'm sorry I'm talking so much no this that's the whole point this is a podcast we love to hear it and like you are this has been very insightful in ways that I was not expecting at all but I feel like there's so much here so thank you for so generously sharing and being open and being you if you're listening and you want to learn more about Jess and the ball, please come. You can check all the things out on the interwebs. You can probably just stop and type in some of the words we just said, but the freelancerfailureball.com is where you can find out information about that. Copywriting and all that jazz, verveandvigor.com. And we'll put it all in the notes and all of that. Do you have any, any last words or anything that you want to, I don't know, spit out? 
And by last, I mean just for this moment. <laughs> my last. Please word. come back and say more. Yeah. <laughs> I think I would say that it feels really fitting to come back to something that Ash taught me, since this is kind of where this interview began. Um, I think it might be a Jay-Z quote. Love that for us. It's don't listen to anybody. Everybody's scared. And that's something that has stuck with me, God, since I started working with Ash, because it, our entire lot, our entire lives are lived around the idea of not failing. Everything we do is built to succeed. And like, that's not sustainable. The stakes are low, throw shit at the wall, fail a bunch. Joy is the fucking point. Like, joy is the point. So good. Oh, so good. Thank you so, so much for being here. Thank you for you. And thank you. I hope you let, like, I'm so glad you swung back to the beginning too, just because like, you've really, you've like been a character in my life for a long time. And so it's really fun to connect with you and just really appreciate you sharing all your humanness and, you know, putting, putting the failure like upfront and letting it be fun and building community in that way. You always seem very like inclusive to me as you're like moving through all of this and it just, it means a lot. So thank you for you. Thank you. Thanks for being somebody who literally has a podcast devoted to space for these kinds of conversations. Um, Without spaces like this, I wouldn't have a place to tell those stories, right? So thank you a lot. Ah, I love you so much. I'm not even going to cry. This is my best first date ever. (laughs) We didn't even bang. (laughs) <laughs> yeah no I'm just kidding sorry not oh god okay I made it weird yay I failed the podcast <laughs> all right thank you so much Jess Absolutely. thank you everyone for listening hey it's Erin and I want you to know that you matter everything you're doing and everything you've done it all matters it all counts because you are important to the people around you, your family and friends, your audience, your clients, and quite honestly, to the world. Whether you're changing lives on the front line or changing lives while you're changing diapers, your presence matters. Every life you touch counts. And from just one interaction, there can be infinite, meaningful effects. And for that reason, I want to thank you for showing up and doing the work to be with yourself and share your light and your gifts and your love with those around you. If you want support with any of this human being stuff, you're always welcome to join me inside of my coaching membership, Human Being Club at humanbeingclub.com or follow along with me on Instagram for more behind the scenes, silly stuff at Erin Lindstrom. Once again, thank you for being here and thank you for you.